Thank you for letting me come here today and share a little bit of my story with you. I come from a really actually kind of an interesting kind of family. My father, he was an important man whose decisions didn't just affect our family and didn't just affect the, the, the circle of friends but if, that he had and his, his acquaintances and his workmates. But it affected a whole region and a whole area, a whole part of the earth. I grew up with a bunch of relatives that I didn't know for the first part of my life. My grandfather was a strange kind of man. He had four wives. Two of them were, his, were sisters. The other two were slaves. It was a very strange family. I grew up um, feeling out of place in the land where I was born. I always felt a little bit like an outsider. In some ways, I had an easy life. In other ways, my life was, I thought it was pretty hard. My life was difficult. I had a couple incidents that happened in my life that changed me. That changed the way I looked at things. That changed the way I looked at life and, and deeply affected who I was. My life a couple times took some pretty dramatic turns. My name is Ephraim. And you will first read about me in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 41. My name comes up a few times. You'll, you'll hear it if you look. You'll find it a few times in your Bibles. But really, when you look closely, I didn't do anything really very remarkable with my life. There's nothing made mention. My name comes up because my descendants and because some, some bits of land were named after me, but really you don't read anything much about me. So, you can't really say much about me. My successes, they don't seem to be very many. But my name comes up from time to time. Yes, my father is Joseph. Joseph, the one who was second in command of all of Egypt for a time. And when I was with my father, we had a good life. I was born at a time in Egypt when things were going really well. The harvests were plentiful. People had more food than they could eat. They were making money. The, the, the country was prosperous and successful. Things were really going well. And of course, my father, being the second in command, we lived in relative luxury. Of course we would. We were, my dad was the second in charge of all of the country. And I was small. I don't remember too much about that time. But I do remember when things started to change. And it didn't just change slowly, but it changed, changed quickly. All of a sudden, the good harvest and the plentiful times, they dried up. And we went into a time of famine. The first year, it wasn't too bad. Because people had stored up for the last couple years. And, and they had enough. And it was a bit hard, but it was okay. But then as time went on, it got harder because the famine kept going year after year. And so we went through some hard times as well. I guess you'd say I was privileged. I was privileged to be living uh, in that time. I was privileged to be having a father who had such uh, great responsibilities and who really was such a, an amazing guy. It takes a lot to be second in command of a country. The problem was, and then one of the hard things was, 
people expected the same from me. And maybe I felt a bit inadequate. I felt unable to live up to His expectations and to the expectations of others around me. And when you have a father who is of the statue, uh, stature of, of Joseph, then to li- try and live up to that, that was difficult. I was the second born, so you know what happens? We get a little overlooked or neglected at times. Everyone looks to the firstborn to carry on the legacy of the father and so life was a life was difficult as it is in any family no matter what what uh status you come from but my having Joseph as my father set the bar pretty high and it was a challenge i just needed to do my best though i tried to do my best and had my dad as there as an example but um and I just tried to do my best. But even in all of that, we knew something wasn't quite right in our lives. Something wasn't quite right in our family. There was something amiss. Dad, we knew he was from Canaan. He was from a different area. He wasn't an Egyptian. Mom, she was an Egyptian. So we didn't quite fit in because the Egyptians didn't really get along with the others. They tolerated having others in the country, but... We always felt like we were outsiders. And even though I was in that privileged position of being a child of the second in command of the whole country, somehow I felt a little pushed aside. And there was something different about my father because we knew he, of course, we knew he wasn't from Egypt. Even though he he dressed like the Egyptians and he talked like them, we knew he was different. He looked a little bit different. But he didn't want to talk about it. We asked him, where did you come from? What was your story? And he didn't want to say. He didn't want to tell us. You know, my name, Ephraim, it means uh, twice, uh, sort of twice blessed. My brother's name, Manasseh, means forget. So we knew something had happened. We knew something had happened along the line. And Dad didn't, just didn't want to talk about it. So we're in this time of famine. And people are coming now because it's been going on for a while and people are coming to Egypt because we have the food. And so people from other nations around us start coming. They start coming to buy food from us. And so we start to to see all kinds of different people in our country. We, We saw some people, some brothers, a group of brothers came from Canaan. And we didn't know their story, but we knew Dad was deeply affected by these guys. And Dad didn't say much to us, but we knew something had changed when these guys came. Something was different. The famine continued and it got worse and people were suffering. And then these brothers come back a second time. And Dad is shaken to his core. We don't know what's going on. But we do know when these brothers came, Dad went and he cried and he cried so loud and so hard everybody heard him. What was going on with our father? We thought, what could be happening here? It turns out these guys were his brothers. We'd never heard of any family from Canaan before and now he's got this brother sitting before him and he is saying, you're my brothers. And he's trying to explain to them, this is, this is our, our family. Well, this changed my whole perspective. 
Now I've got this family. And next thing I know, all this family, these 70 or so of them, are coming down from Canaan and coming to be in Egypt with us. And I'm meeting these aunties and uncles and cousins that I'd never met before, never knew anything about. And my whole world has changed, been turned upside down. Here I am living in the lap of luxury and then I, I know my mom's family. And I know them well, but my dad's family I hadn't heard anything about. Now all of a sudden a bunch of these stinky, smelly shepherd guys show up and they're my relatives too. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to make of all of this. It rocked my world. But you know what rocked my world even more? Was the stories I'd heard. The stories of my family that I'd never heard before. My dad had told us about God. My dad had told us about the One who created the heavens and the earth and all the people that were in it. Dad told us the stories about how Adam and Eve were the first on living on the earth and how everyone descended from them. Dad told us the stories about uh, brothers in conflict, about Cain and Abel. And we could all relate to that. Because we all had conflicts. Even Manasseh and I, we, we struggled from time to time. So Dad told us those stories, but he didn't tell us the stories about the family. But now, these other, this families, all these uncles, all these cousins are here. And my grandfather is here. My grandfather, Jacob. He came to Egypt and he joined us. And we heard the stories. I heard the stories. I heard the stories of people like my great-great-grandfather, Abraham, and Isaac. And I met my grandfather, Jacob, for the first time. And he loved to tell stories. He would sit around and he would tell us story after story. He would tell us the stories of his family and all these things were starting to come together. The picture was becoming clearer of all that had happened and who I was because I heard the story. I heard the stories from my grandfather. And you know, when you first get together and he, uh, my father and his brothers and father hadn't been together for almost 20 years, and so when they first got together, the stories were pretty basic ones. You know, who died and whose children were who and who married who, those sorts of, sort of superficial things. But as time went on, the stories changed. We started to talk about deeper things as we began to get to know one another, as trust was built, as we shared, each one of us shared our stories, we started to, to get into the deeper issues. We started to talk about the, the more significant things that happened. And of course, I was, uh, I was pretty young when all this was going on and I was just sitting and listening. But I heard stories of my father's brothers wanting to kill him about my father's brothers selling him into slavery, and that's how he ended up in Egypt. I was like, wow! What happened? What kind of family is this? It was interesting, too, to hear stories of my father. To hear about, well, why? Why did his brothers sell him into slavery? Well, you know, I thought my father was a was really almost perfect. And then I heard that story. I heard the story of how my father had this dream 
where his brothers and his father are going to bow down before him. And even I as a young boy thought, well, that was a crazy thing to tell your family. That was a crazy thing. What, did, what kind of response did Joseph, my father, what kind of response did he think his, his family was going to have when he told them that? It put my father in a whole new light. I thought maybe dad isn't so wise after all. He didn't seem to use a lot of wisdom in sharing that story with his brothers and his father. And in some strange sort of way, I almost felt maybe dad got what he deserved. But that was, that's maybe a little extreme, but maybe dad got what he deserved there along the way. But for sure, he learned from that because he did, he was a very wise man. But I really got to know my grandpa, Jacob. Grandpa was a storyteller. He loved to tell stories. And he told all the stories about the family history. And we'd sit around at night just by the fire of our lanterns or uh, the torches. And Grandpa would tell us stories. And he'd tell us story after story. Story of Noah and his family. Stories of how different people came to be throughout the earth speaking different languages. He told us stories of Abraham, great-great-grandfather Abraham, and he, as he moved, as he moved into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. We heard all those stories. And after a while of us hearing the stories, Grandpa would ask us to tell the story. He would sit with us and he'd say, Ephraim, you tell me the story of Abraham. And so I'd tell a story. And if I got it wrong, Grandpa's cane would whip out and he'd smack me across the knuckles and he'd say, no, that's not how it happened. And he'd correct me until we could tell those stories. And we could tell them perfectly. And you know, I do that for my children. I tell them the story. And I want them to tell their children the stories. And these are important stories that are going to get passed on from generation to generation. That's what I learned from my grandfather. And we need to be right about these stories. I learned to love Grandpa. Grandpa Jacob. And you know, one day Grandpa told me a story. You know, I knew about God. I'd heard lots of stories about God. And then one day Grandpa told me the story about how he wrestled with God. And at first, when he first told me that story, I thought, Grandpa, that's too much to swallow. You know, that's just a little bit too big of a tale. You know, this is, are you saying, Grandpa, that the God that created the heavens and earth, you wrestled with Him all night long? Really? I had a tough time swallowing that one. But after I got to know Grandpa, and I heard the story again and again, I heard the ring of truth in it. I heard the ring of truth in that story, and I knew and I trusted the one telling me the story. It is an amazing story. But you know, as time goes on, Grandpa started to get sick, and he grew old. He, he had been with us Grandpa and the others had been with us for about probably about 17 years. Grandpa was getting pretty old. He was maybe 147 years old or so, as best as we could figure. 
That's how many harvests he had seen. So he was old. And Grandpa, he was living up in Goshen. He was living up in the area near Canaan. And we were down in the city. We were, uh, we were still living in our home. But one day, Dad gets word that Grandpa's sick and he should come. And so Dad gets Manasa and myself and we go off to Goshen. And we go to see Grandpa. And it was really remarkable. Because he was sick. He was weak. He was frail. But as soon as my father walked in the room, his whole countenance, his whole face changed. His face lit up. He seemed to be renewed in his strength simply by seeing my father. It was at that point where I really realized the connection between dad and my father, and uh, between my dad and his father. And then grandpa goes on and he tells a story. He tells a story about how God made a promise to him. A promise to make his family fruitful and, and large. He tells the story. And then Grandpa sort of drops the bomb on us. He says, now, Ephraim, you, me, and Manasseh, your brother, you're going to be my children. Wait, what's happening? We're Joseph's children. We're not your children. What? Are you just going to sell us? Are we just being traded or given away? And Dad's there and he's saying nothing. What is going on here? What kind of strange thing is happening here? I can't just be taken out of one family and dropped into another, but that's exactly what seems to be going on. And the old man, he draws us close to him and he hugs me and my brother and he kisses us and he blesses us. And my dad's there and he's bowing down before his father. It was a very strange day. It was a very strange day. Maybe my dad, maybe he was shocked by all that, that was going on here, but he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. But my dad, he loses out on his inheritance. He's not getting anything from his father. Instead, it's passing on to Manasseh and me. And maybe this is fitting in some way. Maybe, maybe Grandpa loved Joseph so much, loved my father so much that, that to pass that on, it couldn't be contained. He couldn't love any one person as much as he loved Joseph, so he needed two to take his place. I don't know what was happening, but it was strange. And it doesn't stop there. The day kept getting weirder. So we're there. We're, we're somehow now adopted into Grandpa's family. And then we go and we go to be blessed by my grandfather by Grandpa Jacob. And we're there, and normally what you'd see is the oldest one would get the... the, the he'd put his right hand on the head of the oldest and then the left on, on the next one. And at the last minute, Grandpa does this switcheroo thing and he goes like this and he puts his hand on my... his right hand on my head. I'm going to receive the blessing of the firstborn. And it's like, what is going on here? How can this day get any stranger? Now I'm getting the blessing of the firstborn of Jacob who used to be my grandfather and now he's my father and I'm getting the blessing of the firstborn when I'm the secondborn. This doesn't make any sense to me. And Dad, he wasn't happy about it either. At this point, he jumps into the picture and he says, wait, you're doing this wrong, Jacob, my father. And Dad tries to put it right. And Grandpa says, no, what's happening 
is what should be happening. So Grandpa passes on to me, Ephraim, the blessing that was given to Abraham, passed on to Isaac, to Jacob, and now it's passed on to me. And then the strangeness continues. How much weirdness can one person have in one day while it keeps going? Now Grandpa calls in all my uncles to this meeting. What's happening here? Well, certainly it seems that he knows he's about to die and he's giving his final words to everybody. Well, I'd heard the stories, remember? I'd heard all the family stories. Well, this is going to be exciting. Getting us all together in one room at one time with Grandpa on his deathbed. What is he going to say to everybody? Well, I knew. By this time, I was in my 20s, so I knew. I knew I could figure this out. I could figure this is going to be an interesting afternoon. What's Grandpa got to say to everybody? I, he said his piece to me and, and Manasa, so I'm not too worried, but what's he going to say to all the uncles? Well, Reuben's first. Okay, we're going in birth order here. Reuben's first. Poor old Uncle Reuben. He slept with his father's concubine and grandfather never really forgave him for that. Sin has a tendency to rattle around in our lives and come back to haunt us. And it certainly did for Uncle Reuben. He's kind of out of the picture. Simeon and Levi, they haven't done much better. They've been cruel to animals. They've murdered people. So they don't come out too well out of this meeting either. Judah seems to be the winner. Judah's next. He's the winner. He talks about his brothers will praise him. He will hold the scepter, the sign of power and authority, and it will never leave him. And that got very strange. Because somehow, in some way in there, Grandpa stopped talking about the present and seemed to be talking about the future. We didn't quite get it, but we knew something strange was going on when he spoke those words. Then he went on. Zebulun and Issachar seemed to just carry on. Uncle Dan, he's going to somehow betray the family, but he's also going to bring justice. Then Grandpa Jacob, he stops. And he asks for God's help. In the middle of all this, he's still got his mind on God. Then Gad and Asher and Naphtali come along and nothing really remarkable about them, just recognizing who they are as people. Then my father Joseph is mentioned. Well, Grandpa doesn't just love my dad. There is some special connection there. I even get a little mention in there, twice fruitful. But Grandpa describes my father Joseph as the prince among his brothers. Well, that affection and that connection hasn't faded over the years. And then lastly was the youngest, Benjamin, and he's the hungry wolf. And nothing would, was going to concern him except fulfilling his own desires. Well, it was an interesting day. The blessings were all given. And you know what? Each one seemed to be accepting of what their father what my grandfather Jacob had said about them. It seemed right. They knew the stories. It seemed appropriate. They might not have been happy about it. But the old man, he nailed it. 
He knew exactly who everyone was. And He gave them what was appropriate to them. And they knew it. Even if they didn't like it very much, they knew it. And then He had one last request. To be buried back in Canaan. And at that, He breathed His last. And He died. My life was never quite the same. I missed Grandpa Jacob. I didn't realize how much I would miss him. But I grew up. I got married. My father, Joseph, he saw my children and their children and their children after them. But things changed. Things got difficult for us. Pharaohs came and went. And the new ones didn't quite see, uh, look on us with the favor that they looked on us in the past. And life became hard. But my grandfather and my father were amazing men who left a legacy. And as I look at their lives and think about them, I wonder about some things that maybe we can wonder about together today. You know, my family is a bunch of misfits and sinners. All of us. Even my father was. And yet through us, God was building a nation. And from the family of Uncle Judah, in a way we never really understood, someone will come and all nations will be obedient to Him. Of course, we know now He was talking about Jesus. And that was the kind of legacy my family left. For good or for bad, we were a family. And God used us. With all of our faults and failures and shortcomings, God used us. We weren't perfect, but God used us. How is God using you and your family? Are you willing to let God use you? You know, if He can use me, someone who grew up in a, in a crazy family, someone who grew up feeling inadequate because of, uh, of the great father that they had, He can surely use you and your family. Don't think that somehow you're not good enough for God to use. He used all of us, all of my family. Don't think that you have too many skeletons in the closet or too many things in your past. God can use you. And you need to be open to that. In fact, years and years after me, the Apostle Paul came along. And you can read about this in 1 Corinthians. But he said this. He said, For the foolishness of God is greater than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Just the way God used me and my family, God can use you and yours if you're open to it. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Are you leaving a legacy of you and your family serving God despite all your weaknesses and shortcomings? The other thing I think as I think about this story, how much do we miss out on when we don't give a blessing? You know, that day when I was blessed, when the uncles all gathered, when Grandpa passed away, He gave a blessing. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget Him gathering us, me and my brother, to Him and hugging us, and holding us, 
and kissing us, putting His hands on our heads and speaking a blessing into our lives. That physical touch, those words that He gave to us, the genuine care, the real love and concern for us, the honesty that He had, not just on that day, but even sharing His own stories of weakness. It meant a lot to be. Do we bless others? Do we in turn bless others? Especially our families. Do we let them know that they are loved and appreciated? Do we give them a blessing to keep them going, to encourage them? And maybe a challenge from time to time when that's appropriate. Are we willing to speak into the lives of our families? I know sometimes cultures get in the way of these things of bringing people close and embracing them and sharing with them from the heart. But that meant so much to me when my grandfather did for me. Can we do the same? Can we step out of those boxes that hold us so that we can share with ours and bless our families? Are we investing in the lives of others or just keeping our lives and our wisdom all to ourselves? My dad trained me well. And Jacob tried to train me as well. Grandpa, when he came. Are you? Are you pouring your life into someone? Giving them the wisdom that you've got over the years. How do we do this? How do we pass it on? How do we be a blessing? We tell them about the gifts and potential and ability that we see in them. That's what Grandpa did with us. We affirm them when it's right. We challenge them when it's appropriate. We touch them. We hold them. We tell them we love them. We pray for them. Those are all ways we can be a blessing. We can give them words of encouragement. And don't wait until your deathbed to do this. Grandpa Jacob, he had a privilege. He had his all of his sons, his adopted and his biological ones with him on his death when he was there at his deathbed to share this blessing. But don't wait until then to do that. Grandpa told me a story of Uncle Enoch who was just walking with God one day and then boom, he was gone. He had no deathbed. Don't be like that. Share that blessing while you have the opportunity. Because you don't know Uh, when that opportunity may pass you by. James also talks about this, and you probably read this, and James challenges God's people on this. He says, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. This should not be so. Let the words that come from your mouth be a blessing. The way Grandpa Jacob blessed me. And the last thing I think about as I think about this that day, when I think about that blessing, is how even on that last day of his life, Grandpa Jacob wanted to tell the stories of how God was at work in his life. He wanted to share how God was at work in his life. The things that God had done, even in and through his failures, Grandpa Jacob saw God at work. And he wanted to tell people about that. He wanted to tell his family. He wanted to be sure 
they knew how God was at work in his life. And how God has been faithful even when he was unfaithful. Are we sharing? Do you share that with others? Especially those in your family that you're closest to about how God has been at work in your life. About how God has been faithful to you. Do you take the time even to look for God's faithfulness in your life? And then when you see those things, to share them. To make sure others know the story of God being at work in your life. Can your children, can your grandchildren, can your friends tell your stories of faith? Because you've told them. Stories of joy and sorrow. Of successes and failures. But of how God was with you through all of that. Can others tell your stories? Because you've shared it with them to encourage them, to help them along the way. I hope so. Paul writes about this about this faithfulness of God in 2 Timothy. As he's writing to his friend Timothy, he says, if we are faithless, God will remain faithful. As I remember Grandpa Jacob's stories, that's what I think about. I think about the times that Grandpa didn't do well. About the times, and he even knew it himself, the times he was not faithful to God, yet God was faithful to him. That's the kind of story we need to share with others. To take time and look for God's faithfulness in our lives and then share it with others around us. It was such a blessing to me to hear Grandpa's Jacob's stories of faithfulness over the years. I want to share that with my family as well. These are the legacies that we can leave behind us. A legacy of God, letting God use you, of blessing others, and of sharing stories. These are legacies that we live that we leave behind us. Think of the legacy of my grandfather, Jacob. Here we are, thousands of years later, talking about the things that he did. Talking about the blessings that he passed on. Talking about the faithfulness of God through his life. That's a legacy that he left. These are things that those who follow you can learn from and hold on to. These are things that can encourage and help you along the way. Leave a legacy like my grandfather Jacob left. A legacy of God using you, of God, of you being a blessing to others, of sharing the stories of God's faithfulness. You know, my grandfather Jacob is there. Mentioned in the Faith Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews. And he's there for a reason. He's mentioned there for a reason. To serve as an example to us. A witness to us. Of what someone who is fully devoted to God looks like. And that's his message for us. The legacy he leaves for us is there for us in the book of Genesis. For us to learn from. Help us. God help us to follow through on that legacy of Grandfather Jacob. Let's pray. Dear God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank You for preserving these stories to us, for us, down through the years, passed on from generation and generation. Lord, help us to follow in the footsteps 
people like Jacob. Of being faithful, of, of knowing God's faithfulness even in the light of our own unfaithfulness. Of sharing stories of God's faithfulness. Of being a blessing. And being, uh, and, and passing on that blessing to others. Lord, help us to do that in the same way Jacob did. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Later on, as we go out of this place,